Welcome back into the We Shall Not Sleep podcast. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. As always, welcome back from wherever you have been, wherever you will go. I hope this show and these words today will hopefully not fall on on deaf ears and maybe provide us a little bit of of more, I guess, uh, thoughts, more insight into something that all of us deal with, and that is a little bit more of a heavy topic. But uh, wherever and however you connect with the show, whether it's through Facebook or SoundCloud, where we're hosted, anywhere you get your podcasts, including our YouTube channel, thank you so much for your support. Again, the show, we're trying to do new newer things, and we've been able to interview a lot of great people here in the last few months. And I, again, I have a lot scheduled here. We just had to basically throw a lot of things around here. We had to shuffle some, some schedules. So, um, I do want to say thank you for your patience in that because I'm excited for the new and better conversations that, that will come, but we just have to be a little more patient because, uh, some other people's schedules, uh, we just had to work around. So that happens when you're trying to go after some big fish in a way. Um, so thank you for, for bearing with us through that. But, you know, I want to oftentimes like this particular show turns into an episode of, Hey, what did you preach about last week? And that, and that's basically what, where I'm at, because as I have been thinking this last few days, it, it really kind of felt prompting from the Holy spirit to share this particular message with my congregation. And that was this theme of grief and how, us Christians, how we grieve, do we do it well? And one of the things that, you know, I, I would think in, in my life, how I was taught, now again, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a millennial, I am uh, 27 years old, so the idea of, of death for me, again, this is how, just how I was taught uh, in the church, is that, you know, death is something that's kind of weird. Um, you know, if I was just to go on what I was observing as a kid, you everyone's dressed weirdly. You say a lot of weird things. You stand up and sit down a lot because most of my, my family had Catholic masses for their funeral services. And then you go to a reception and you hang out with people you don't get to see, you know, especially cousins or long distance cousins, relatives, friends. You don't see a whole lot. So as a kid, it's somewhat exciting because you're in a new place. You can play hide and seek. You can do new things and everyone's together. No one's fighting or talking about politics because that's just, you know, um, you know, something that you're not supposed to do. And then everyone tries not to cry. That That's basically what I learned about funerals. And, you know, as Christians, how we look at death, that should be the biggest distinguishing mark of our whole religion because of what we view death as. It's, it's a passing from this place to another, which we believe is heaven to be with Jesus. And I'm just wondering, as Christians, do we fully appreciate that? Do we actually live that way? And I don't know, for me, it's something that I wonder sometimes that whether it's a Christian being buried or not, I'm wondering if the Christians present at the funeral, the family members, the loved ones, the friends, if we don't grieve well. Now, that might be interesting to point out or even to ask because I don't want to minimize or negate the the necessity for grief, for, for sorrow, and to actually have the acceptance um, of what has come uh, and what has transpired, but it's the celebrating the life and then proclaiming victory in Jesus. Uh, if you remember back to episode with my uncle Steve, uh, Dr. Stephen Crable, 
one of the things that he he said that he likes to do and say at funerals, and again, it it lessens the role of the individual because again, we're just the warm body that happens to fill the seat as pastors. We're we're the people that are conducting it. We really we really could be anyone. We're not being asked to be at a funeral because of our superior wisdom or anything. It's just we happen to be the person that does the thing. And when I look at what he has taught me, it's like the the three things that you want to be able to do at a funeral is that you want to mourn the death, celebrate the life, and then proclaim victory over the grave in Christ Jesus. Because you are acknowledging the pain, you're acknowledging the sorrow, but you're also going to celebrate because in a way it's a privilege to miss somebody. That means they were good. That means they were loving. You know, if you don't have, if you don't miss them, if you don't want to celebrate their life because they were a terrible human being or they were completely irresponsible or were completely selfish, that is a sad thing in and of itself. And so it's grief in a different way. And when you can have somebody that you miss so dearly, that person must have meant a lot to you. That must have, that must mean they were good. They were loving, like I said uh, just a few seconds ago. So it is a privilege to miss somebody. But at the same time, if we're not as Christians looking at death differently, then what are we doing? I, I just have to ask us that. What are we doing? And I, I asked my congregation for feedback, and a lot of people, the the, the two camps that were, were most prevalent are a lot of them just feel completely sterile, a lot of funerals and Christians' response. They just, they just feel kind of hollow, like very dry, nothing there. And then the other camp is, well, we 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 act this way because that's just what we do. It's just kind of, well, we we are just kind of somber. That's it. And where's the emphasis, I have to wonder, outside of Easter time, Easter Sunday, and then Easter tide, that one time during the calendar year, where is the emphasis on the victory over the grave? Now, again, there's obviously mystery because we're acting on faith. We can't scientifically study what goes on after death, right? And so maybe for some people, their entire lives, there's there's like 99% sure, but there's always that 1% nagging in their ear of like, maybe it's not real. So maybe I can't fully be joyful. But you have other Christians that act completely different and and that are fully assured of their of their salvation and the salvation of their loved ones. And, and so, and I, I guess I'm only coming from an American perspective. I can only speak from an American Christian standpoint of how we do things here because I know in other countries where, where death is not, it's not, doesn't creep up on you, right? It's it, here in America because of the access to so many, like health, so much healthcare, so much uh, quality of life things that sometimes I wonder, you know, as young people, we feel invincible and, and that's not the case across the world. You know, I'm not saying every other place is is a pit by no means, but there are other people, other Christians that, that death is constantly surrounding them uh, through war, through famine, through disease, lack of resources, um, you know, infant mortality rates. Like there, there are things that you just that you just live with. It's just a part of life. You accept that that is just the the unfortunate presence of evil, and and so you look at our brothers and sisters uh, across the pond and across the globe and how they truly celebrate life because they've come to appreciate every single precious moment, just as our Bible talks about. Not even trying to worry about tomorrow because you're, we are, one day has enough trouble of its own. I mean, oh my gosh, yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Jesus, for that command. I think every working adult here in this nation understands that predicament and, and that reality. And 
the, the reason why I say all this is that I think sometimes we can take life for granted, which, you know, we are reminded of at funerals. And you, that's when you see people really, you know, have that epiphany, like, man, if that young person can die, then anyone can die, right? Or if that celebrity, that, that person can die, then it really can happen to everyone. But it, but it comes as a shock. It's like we're shocked every time somebody dies. And, it, and maybe it's not the fact, yeah, we understand we're all going to die, but it's like, oh, they were so young. And it's like this kind of idea that we're not supposed to die young. And even though that, that is like from a theological standpoint, you know, the idea of sin, if you study theodicy, the, the, the study of sin, the theology of sin and evil, like death was never supposed to be a part of the original plan, but because of free will and, and God not forcing us to go to heaven if they, we don't want to be with him, um, we don't have to live a holy lifestyle. We can live a completely selfish and purely pragmatic lifestyle that fits our needs. We're allowed to do that. And, of course, when that happens, we choose the consequences. We choose what happens when we live apart from God, which that is death, um, that that second death that people refer to. So I, I, I don't want to uh, just linger on this point. I want to actually read some scripture to you. Out of 1 Thessalonians, uh, it's interesting, the whole we shall not sleep portion of this podcast comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, where where Paul gets done wrapping up the term sleep, referring to death, and then he do, does a double entendre. He talks about spiritual sleep uh, and sleepness, of like this, this idea that you can be spiritually asleep to the things of this world, the evils of this world, and the good of this world. Well, in the chapter prior, he's actually referring to death, and that starts at verse 13. Let me read this for you from the NIV translation. It says, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. The first verse. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death. So Paul's writing to this church in Thessalonica, these Gentile converts in a city that is is very diverse, a lot of idols being sacrificed to, and you have these Gentile converts who are coming out of that secularized society into this new religion we call Christianity, and Paul is talking to them about death and saying, hey, you know, for those people, like nothing comes after death. Again, a lot of like many humanists, many atheists, even agnostics. Um, you know, those who don't believe that anything comes after death, you know, you can't study it, you can't prove it. So assuming that there is something afterwards is from a factual standpoint fruitless until you can collect data, which from a rational standpoint makes complete sense. But Paul is just saying so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. There is no hope. You know, if your loved one dies, you should have been grateful for the time you had with them. There's nothing that comes after that. It's just nothing but oblivion. It's it's nothingness. So in essence, they do have more of an acceptance and appreciation for the loved one, but there's no hope, just like Paul said. And I think for us as Christians, if we're not viewing death as a celebration, now it still can be tragic. It's still sad. I'm not asking us not to grieve, 
But if we're not saying that, you know what, this was going to happen to this person anyway, so I'm sad regardless, but I'm joyful because this is not the end. And that's where our Christian faith, if we're not moved, if we are not in our testimonies, in our walks of life, spreading the gospel, even in death, then really what are we doing? I mean, even Paul's the one who says, you know, if Christ wasn't resurrected, we're wasting our lives. If he didn't do what he said he was going to do, if he didn't conquer death, then Christianity is a sham. But of course, through a lot of evidence, through the, uh, you know, the Jesus and history, the quest for this historical Jesus, which offers us a lot of historical proofs, and the faith and the surviving passages of scripture with the manuscripts, we have a lot of reason to believe that Jesus was who he said he was from a rational and reason standpoint. I mean, forgetting faith for a second. Then when you pray about it and you read the words of Christ and you have an encounter with him in your soul, how does that not change you? And I just want us as Christians to be encouraged by not just the words of Paul here, but that conviction of the Holy Spirit that wouldn't we want, I don't want people to grieve. I don't want people to to mourn over me and uh, and just uh, settle in their in their self pity and their and their wallows. I don't want that. I want people to celebrate, celebrate, celebrate life, celebrate that I'm I'm gone. Like if anything, like I'm I'm in a better place. And because grieving in a way can be very selfish. I think a lot of us have seen that where people make it all about themselves. Like don't you know what I'm going through or that person? Like I meant a lot to that person. And it it can be kind of hilarious at times. You know, it's tragic. But I just wonder if in our grief sometimes we're pretty selfish of like, well, isn't that person we're grieving? They're in the best place possible. We wouldn't want them back for anything. I mean, come on. So I just want to check our motives a little bit. And also I want you to ask yourselves, are 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 we grieving okay as Christians in this nation? Are are we okay with how we teach people how to grieve? Or are you yourself not at peace? There's a lot of questions to be answered and, and be asked about this, and it's not something you can do really a, a, like a survey on or anything. It's just something that I've, I've really thought about in this last week. And, you know, if you're struggling, maybe you're one of the people that you know, you've had lost a loved one recently and you're still beside yourself. You're angry at God. Well, th- that's okay. You can be angry. Take your anger to him. He wants to hear it. Put your fist up at him. Shake at him. Uh, shake it up at him and just say, God, why? Or Maybe you're struggling to have that faith that maybe, you know, is my loved one truly in heaven? These are, these are questions that Christians ask themselves all the time, but I want to encourage you that it's okay to ask them. We're human. God knows that this was going to happen, that we would face this. He's there to help us answer. That's the thing is he's there to help us. He doesn't want us, want us to deny those feelings. He doesn't want them to, us to set those things aside. He wants us to con- Front them because he has those answers. He has the best answers. He has the answers to these questions that have plagued mankind for millennia. And who else, by the way, to answer them than the person, the being that knows everything? He's right there to listen. I just wonder if we are willing to turn our innermost questions and longings and desires to him and thrust all of that upon him. He knows, after all, because he died. Anyway, those are just some thoughts. Thank you, everyone, for joining us this week. And until next time, may God bless you and may God keep you.